0: good morning everyone happy friday welcome back to the lcc podcast i don't know about you guys but i am so ready for the weekend but before we get there we need to get a little bit of jesus and that's what this podcast is for this week we are continuing through the book of john we're in chapter 16 and jesus is being very direct with his disciples about what is about to happen to him um Suzanne blows my mind in the end of this episode, so stay tuned to find out how she does that. I hope you enjoy. Let's get into this week's episode.
1: Last week in, in John 15, we ended with Jesus giving his disciples truths that they would experience in a short time. Where the disciples are still believing that Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman rule, because they don't know yet what's going on, uh, and begin his messianic kingdom at that time, he is telling them that it will be quite the opposite. And so he's warning them uh, what to expect. It wasn't time yet for his earthly rule. Instead of having come into an earthly kingdom on the ground floor as friends of the king, They would be treated like their master and friend, hated, persecuted, and killed. This was not going to be easy. They didn't understand the plan, but they trusted Jesus. They were bringing in the spiritual kingdom of heaven to all who would follow Jesus. Jesus' warnings proved to be all too true for them. In fact, all the disciples would die a martyr's death except for one on whom it was attempted on more than one occasion. Here is a list of what church tradition records about each of their deaths. And it's kind of interesting as we go into this chapter and and see what he's saying to them. Peter, he was crucified upside down by Nero in Rome in 65 AD. The year that this would have been occurring uh, with Jesus is most likely 30 AD. So this is 35 years later Peter died. And it's also interesting if you've been watching The Chosen, you know, because you can almost see the characters as I'm talking about their names, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so James uh, was killed in Jerusalem in 44 AD. He was the first one. Remember in The Chosen where they're at his funeral? That's why. Um, He was beheaded by Herod Agrippa I with a sword. Uh, Andrew was crucified on an X shaped cross in Edessa, Turkey, at an unknown date. Thomas was impaled with spears by four soldiers in India at an unknown date. Philip was put to death either by crucifixion or being hung by a Roman proconsul in uh, Heliopolis in 54 AD. Mm. Matthew was stabbed to death in uh Nadaba, Ethiopia in sixty AD. Nathaniel or Bartholomew, he was either crucified or flayed in India at an unknown date.
2: You said flayed
1: play? flayed. Oh, um that would be like you do with a fish, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh. yeah. Well wow. in what year? In um at unknown date. Oh. So not known. That was, uh, you know, in, in The Chosen, it would be Nathaniel, the architect. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> James. I do not know when? How, but they don't know when? I, I,
1: I don't know. This is according to church tradition. So they weren't always the best at keeping records.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned and clubbed to death in Jerusalem in 61 AD. Simon the Zealot was either crucified or sawn or axed to death in Britain for refusing to worship the sun god in 74 A.D. Wow. Matthias was either stoned and beheaded or burned to death in Syria at an unknown date. Thaddeus or Jude was either clubbed to death or killed with arrows by the apostate nephew of the king of Adgor of Syria at an unknown date. And then finally John. John, after miraculously surviving being poisoned, mm-hmm. boiled in oil, and exiled to the Isle of Patmos, died peacefully of old age in Ephesus in 95 AD.
0: How old would that have made um, he, him?
1: He, he, this was 65 years after Jesus. And they were probably about the same age. Probably so, around... So uh, what I have heard that he died at was 101. So, yeah. And I put down. It's interesting to note that not uh, that none of the disciples left Jesus, no matter how hard it became. Jesus equipped them with the parakletos, the one like him who walked alongside them wherever they led. Uh, wherever they were led, Holy Spirit is with us too in the same capacity. So he'll help us throughout anything. So we're gonna go back a little bit before we start in 16, because Jesus is starting the warning in um, John 15, 18. And so we're gonna read through the rest of that chapter and then start 16, because it makes sense to go through all of it. So somebody read John uh, 15, 18 through 21. An unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. If you were to give your allegiance to the world, <clears throat> they would love They would love and welcome you as one of their own, but because you want to align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you and taken you out to the world to be mine. So remember what I taught
2: you, that a servant isn't superior to his master, and since they persecuted me, they will
1: also persecute you. And if they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one you see. Okay. Uh, a few words there uh, where it talks about just remember when the unbelieving world, that world is cosmos. Uh, a lot of times we could translate that as the universe, you could translate that as the whole physical realm. Yeah, just
2: unbelieving world? Uh huh, the unbelieving the world.
1: world. Uh, Well, it's saying the unbelieving world, but the word that's used there for world is cosmos in the Greek. And then, um, in all of that, actually, when it talks about world is cosmos. If you look at verse 19, if you were to give your allegiance to the world, the cosmos, they would love and welcome you as their own. That word is not a sacrificial love. Because the unbelieving world, that's not going to happen, right? It's phileo. That's the word for love there. And then uh, down in verse 20 where it says, and since they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they obey, the word is tereo. I, I Sometimes I hate that it's translated obey, you know, mm-hmm. because there are so many other words that most of the time, like the New King James or uh i don't know different ones they'll say keep which is more accurate but it could even be translated as treasure you know because sometimes it is translated that way
3: i told my ea that the other night or day after we had that lesson Mm -hmm. and i told her to rail instead of obey and said treasure and she just stopped and looked at me
1: because it makes it it totally different
3: that's what she said
1: yeah, because the connotation is, oh, I don't want to be punished, so I'll obey. And that's a religious way of thinking. But to treasure, that is relationship. You know? So then it says, and if they obey, Torah, my teachings, which is logos here. So it's not rama; It is the entire written word. They will also obey yours, and it's not obey, it's choreo. Can
3: I go back for a second, mm-hmm. because I just looked into a note that i would written. You said the word love was phileo.
1: Yes, in verse 19.
3: And you said it's not the sacrificial love.
1: Right, that would be agape.
3: Agape is sacrificial, so uh-huh. phileo is to have strong affection. Uh-huh, it is okay. to
1: have strong affection. It's brotherly love. Think Philadelphia, okay. yeah. It, yes, friendship, to have strong affection, to like someone, you know, to have strong feelings for, but not it's a not sacrificial your love. Huh? Not give you life for. Right, yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so somebody read 22 through 25.
2: Why I have not come and spoken these things to the unbelieving world. They would not feel the guilt of their sin, but now their sin is left uncovered. If anyone hates me, they hate my father also. If I had not performed miracles in their presence like no, no one else has done, they would not feel the guilt of their sins. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. And all of this has happened to fulfill what is written in their, in their scriptures They hated me for no reason. Okay,
1: somebody read 26.
4: I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my Father. He will come to you, the Spirit of Truth, emanating from the Father, and he will speak to you about me. Mm You
2: said this twenty six.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. This one, it ends mm-hmm. with, uh, for you have walked with me from the start. So, uh, does not have that one? Oh, that's 27, mm-hmm. though.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, well, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> sure. you want to finish? finish. Yeah,
2: Let go ahead. Let me finish.
4: Let me get yes. through here. Get right in. And you can tell everyone <laughs> the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start.
1: Amen. The word there for divine encourager is parakletos, and we've talked about this. uh, Parakletos means para, huh? Oh, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Parakletos, and parakletos is a compound word. Para meaning alongside, and uh, kaleo meaning to call. To be called. So parakletos, together, means to be called to walk alongside. So the divine encourager, he is that, but he, the Holy Spirit, is called, being called to walk alongside us throughout life. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That we're not alone. Yeah, it's a good thing. So let's go ahead and start John uh, 16. The heading in it is uh, John. I mean, not John. Jesus uh, warns his disciples. So, somebody read one through three.
4: I have told you this, this so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt, for you will be excommunicated from me, from these synagogues, and a time is coming when you will be. Put to death by misguided ones who will pursue to be doing god a great service by putting you to death they will do these things because they don't know anything about the father or me all
1: right do you remember what we talked about uh what it means to be excommunicated from the synagogues do you remember that everything I mean, just, it's every part of life, life. but it's, yeah, you're yeah. cut off. Yeah. And if you'll remember, there was one that was for 30 days. And but the thing is, is you couldn't come within four feet even of people that, uh, like even your loved ones. It was not, uh, in fact, I've got my notes back from uh, John 9 uh, when we were talking about it. be put out of the synagogue this took place in the temple um, or near the temple it does not refer to any immediate and violent putting forth from the place uh, that they were it refers to excommunication from the synagogue among the jews there were two grades of excommunication the one for lighter offenses the first excluded a man for 30 days from uh, the privilege of entering a synagogue and from coming near to his wife or friends uh, any nearer than four cubits. And I was trying to think what a cubit is. I don't quite remember. If y'all want to look it up, that might be good. I'm thinking a cubit is a little over a foot. I think it's like maybe 18 inches, something like that. Um, So four cubits may be six feet where you couldn't come in the... That far?
2: crime that I mm-hmm. get that kind of severity.
1: Well, and that's just for thirty days, but and that's the lighter offense. <laughs> yeah, and so then the other was um, a solemn exclusion forever from the worship of the synagogue, attended with awful uh, maledictions and uh, curses, and an exclusion from all contact with the people. This was called the curse, and so thoroughly excluded the person from all communion, whatever with his countrymen, that they were not allowed to sell to him anything, even the necessities of life. It's probable that this latter punishment was what they intended to inflict if anyone should confess that Jesus was Messiah. And it was the fear of this terrible punishment that deterred uh, people from expressing their opinion. Isn't
2: that terrible? So, be, no. so they couldn't they couldn't do anything in the
3: synagogue, but they could have a relationship with them outside of the synagogue. Or no. No. no.
1: no.
2: Oh.
1: Anyone who is, is in the synagogue they couldn't have any communication with and they also no one um that people in I guess maybe in the synagogue, I don't maybe not in other places, but they wouldn't sell them anything, even if it was life like what they, they had to cut have. Off from yes.
3: Human humanity completely
1: cut them off, and so that's what Jesus is warning. Humanity. Yes, from Jewish humanity, and that's what he's saying: for you will be excommunicated from the synagogues. might
2: be being canceled today.
1: Yeah, except worse. <laughs> right. You know, because at least if you're canceled today, you can still go to Walmart.
2: Right. You know,
1: but for them, they couldn't do anything because in their villages. Maybe they could travel to, like, a distant place in the Gentile lands, but for them, that would be scary because they were so uh, into um, Jewish life. That's all they knew. That would be like us having to leave everyone that we knew um, and everything that we held dear.
2: So you'd immediately be homeless, and then you'd be thrown into... Mm -hmm. The lifestyle of like lepers and
1: exactly. That would be like a leper, exactly. Yeah. No compassion. No. And so that's what Jesus is telling them. This this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, Yeah, so he's he's putting it down for them. Um, and then a time is coming when you will be put to death by misguided ones who will presume to be doing God a great service by putting you to death. And, you know, that instantly made me think of Saul, mm-hmm. right, who turned to Paul. Um, but then I even, I wrote this down, too. For the apostles, the Jewish religious leaders that rejected Jesus, wanting nothing more than to get rid of all of his followers so his name would be forgotten. Well, that will never happen. Sadly and ironically, these leaders own people. The Jews would suffer from people putting them to death, thinking they were doing a great service to God. Two extreme examples are the Crusaders, whose motto was kill a Jew and save your soul, and called the Jews Christ killers, and Nazi Germany, who wanted to exterminate them all. Right, mm-hmm. exact same thing. So that's why they were doing it because they were saying that they killed Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the, the only that was that was one of the things. They also Jewish people are usually very good financially, um, and and they have certain things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember hearing one time they only live off of half of the money that they um, they get, and then what they do is they give they tithe ten percent. And uh they save uh twenty percent and then they invest the other twenty percent and then they live off of the other fifty. Mm-hmm. And that is how the Jewish people have always prospered. They do well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so because they have done so well financially, a lot of times people will think that they um steal, you know, or are dishonest. Uh and Come against them. Yeah, there's a and, thing. I I oh yeah, there is, there is.
2: Well, you look at now all the anti-Semitism that goes on
1: in, in our country. And, our, and that's worse even around well, the world. Like they, some people I've just seen things like the stories are the Jews control everything and like yeah. they're got their like they're pulling strings and everything. Yeah. And to me, it's just weird. <laughs> like why are they saying? Yeah, it, there is a lot of that,
2: mm-hmm. and it's sad. All right,
1: so um, somebody read four through six.
2: I'm telling you
1: this now so that when their time comes, you will remember that I foretold it. I didn't tell you this in the beginning because I was still with you, but now I'm about to leave you and go back to join one. You sent me you need to be told yet not one of you are asking me where i'm going instead your hearts are filled with sadness because i've told you these things can you imagine i mean their hearts would be filled with sadness okay he's telling them that he's leaving and then he's telling them how bad it's going to be for them i mean
2: it's like wow on with this class, and we're like, (laughs) right, and you're going to get punished for listening to me,
1: (laughs) all right, so somebody read seven and eight,
0: here's the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for I don't, for if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you, but after I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments.
2: Okay. Huh? Holy Spirit, yes.
1: And, you know, okay, so look at verse 7. He's saying, but here's the truth. So that word is aletheia. He's actually saying, too, at the same time, but here's the reality. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I go away, it's an advantage. And the divine encourager, again, uh, in Aramaic, it's the redeemer of the curse. Uh, But at parakletos, uh, that's when he would be released. And look at verse 8. In the Passion Translation, it translated it as, um, and he will expose sin and prove that the world, which is cosmos again, is wrong about God's righteousness. Um, And One of the things that I wrote down when I was reading this is God's righteousness can't be bought or manipulated. Because in religious circles, that's what seems to happen. People will try to buy righteousness or they will try to uh, manipulate it in some way. And even in Christian circles, people do this all the time. They'll be like, well, God, if you do this, then I'll give you Whatever, you know, and they're, they're meaning it sometimes in a very heartfelt way, but really what they're actually doing is trying to manipulate God into doing what they want him to do, <laughs> right? And then they get mad if he does it. And, and the fact is, is sometimes he'll do it because he just wants to them to know him. You know, um, but sometimes he won't. And it's it's because he didn't initiate that. Uh, and it's not even out of the right heart.
2: And then in his
1: judgments, I I wrote down, Jesus didn't come to rain down lightning bolts. That's the false god, Zeus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus came to save to rescue and restore what was lost in Eden, relationship. Judgment comes when we reject him. That's not from Jesus and Brent making it happen. That's because we choose differently than him. So we leave him no choice. The uh, New Living Translation for that says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, it's about to expand on that. So, somebody read uh, verses 9 through 11.
2: Then, because they refuse to believe in who I am. Is that where it starts? Mm -hmm. Okay. God's righteousness, because I'm going back to join the Father, and you'll see me no longer. And judgment, because the ruler of this dark world has already received his sentence. Okay.
1: Um, In verse 10, where it says... Uh, because I'm going back to join the Father and you'll see me no longer. The word is thoreo for C. Uh, um, do you want me to spell that? T H E O
4: R E O. Well, I didn't come nowhere near Can you spell it again. Yeah, I
1: can. T H E O R E O. That's Uh huh. Think about it. Where its root is, is theater
3: okay that's right Uh
1: and so think about when you go to a theater you don't just sit down to have a glimpse and then you leave you sit down and you study you gaze at you um, inspect you know you are watching closely to see what's happening in a theater well that's what this is he'll say he's saying um, because I'm going back to join the father and you will not be able to sit and inspect and watch me any longer. Does that make sense? Because he's bodily leaving uh, because his work will be finished. And then down in 11 where it says in judgment because the ruler of this dark world, that word is cosmos, has already received his sentence because he was already uh, thrown out of heaven right, and came to the earth.
2: This
0: little note down here in the Passion is cool on verse 11. It says, In essence, sin, righteousness, and judgment are related to three persons. Sin is related to Adam, for it was through Adam that sin entered humanity. Righteousness is related to Christ, through it comes through him, and he has become our righteousness. Um, Judgment is related to Satan, for the pure works of Christ bring judgment to the works of Satan if we do not embrace Christ
1: Righteousness, we will share Satan's
2: judgment. Amen. Amen.
1: One of the things uh, with this, um, sometimes people get all hung up on Jesus and judgment and God and judgment and all of that. Um, The thing about it is Jesus came. uh, what, What? in Matthew twenty five forty one, what it says, it's speaking of uh, the curse of the eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and all the de- all his demons. It was not made for people. Hell was not made for people. It was made for Satan and his demons. Right? People chose hell because they chose the alternative to coming to Jesus. So uh, when you say
0: Satan and his fallen angels?
1: Fallen fellow fallen angels because Satan is a fallen angel himself. Yeah. So do you think he probably made many Nephilim? <laughs> will? <Okay>. Uh Not um, <laughs> <laughs> you ever about <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> that? Oh yeah. What did you say? Hey, uh, she was talking I about how many Nephilim do you think Satan made?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. conversation
1: uh-uh. earlier. Okay. You, you <laughs> okay. missed it.
2: Well,
1: this is the way my brain is. <laughs> It does not say that he did. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> In fact, where it talks about the Nephilim War, you have um there's the book of Enoch. Yes. And the book of Enoch it actually describes uh, I believe it was twenty. Uh, angels that descended and uh, mixed with women. Oh, wow. um,
2: yeah.
1: But it was Satan's idea. For his Oh, I'm sure. But it, it never says that he himself did that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think anybody can say one way or the other. <laughs> you know, because we don't know. <laughs> I just said, do you think? Yeah, well. <laughs>
2: You don't have to answer. <laughs> 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 Don't entertain that. <me. laughs>
1: so the thing is, is God sent Jesus, meaning Savior, to save who all who would come to Him. This is Second Peter three nine, saying that He does not want any to perish, and the word for perish means actually to be destroyed. Um, but He wants all to come to repentance. God does not violate our free will, though, no matter what. Even if he knows that it will be so destructive, like Adam and Eve, could he have stopped them, mm-hmm. but he didn't that's he just didn't it stop them from
2: else. huh I said he did stop them from the other thing so. well
1: he he out of mercy, he made them where they couldn't yeah. go to the tree of life in the state they were in praise God, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah um. But if we will not choose Jesus, God has no choice but to leave us to the only other alternative to be saved. The law has 613 different commandments. And then in James 2.10 it says, But whoever shall uh, keep the whole law, and word there is tereo, whoever will treasure the entire law, the whole law, and yet stumble at one point, he is guilty of all. It's just letting us know there's no way. Jesus was the only one. That's James two ten. Yeah. So Jesus was the only one able to keep the whole law, to fulfill it, and to reject him is to choose judgment and hell. That's what the whole law was for. It was a foreshadow. It was a way to um, show humanity. Yeah, to to expose what is right and what is wrong. But then also, uh, and then they had to go every year and have the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cover their sins, right? They even had that every day. But um, once a year for the entire nation. And they had to keep doing it. Because they never stop sinning. But Jesus, according to Hebrews nine, he took his own blood and put it on the mercy seat of excuse me, the heavenly Ark of Covenant, Ark of the Covenant, and uh, once and for all, because his sacrifice of himself, his own blood was enough. All the other was a foreshadow. They literally
2: I mean they um, they literally had to sacrifice a lamb every day sometimes two and like every 30 days they had to do so many it was a whole lot. Oh, yeah. every single day yeah
1: yeah but all of it was to be a foreshadow of what Jesus would do Uh-huh. Or go through. Yeah. I'm just, I think the sacrifices, I can almost hear those little lambs yelling. Oh, them. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that is horrible. They're all yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's was, yeah. That's what I was
2: thinking when I was listening. I was thinking, mm. how horrible
1: that would have been. If they're, they're doing, doing that while we're in Israel, I don't think I want to. <laughs> we <laughs> want experience right? yeah, you, no, they they, they don't, don't do that anymore yeah because there's no temple to do that Come on,
2: you <laughs> You're
1: do you know what the worst one of the <laughs> worst things how though, that was, it was for that at passover time oh. they were to pick the one lamb and then the lamb was to live in the house with them they oh. had to inspect it it became like a pet <laughs> And then they had to sacrifice it. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. And you watch your
2: little
1: kids get attached. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you, Lord.
1: All right. Somebody read twelve and
2: thirteen. There's so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth given spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't
1: speak, excuse me, he won't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. So, again, it's telling us things, um, you know, because there's no way Jesus could give them everything because they didn't have an understanding. They still thought he was going to conquer Rome, (laughs) you know. And so for them to actually get all that he's about to to do and and have happen to him, it had to have Holy Spirit to do that. But I love that he still does this for us today. He unveils the reality of every truth, and he reveals prophetically what is to come. You know, and he's the spirit of truth that teaches us all things it it It's over and over those things because he's the one that's called to live life alongside us All right, um somebody read fourteen through sixteen
2: You will glorify me on the earth for he will receive one
3: receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Soon you won't see me any longer. Then after a little while, you will see me in a new way.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, uh, okay, so the Aramaic adds to that because I go to my father. But there is two C's in this. And I actually wrote down for myself, too, the different words for C because have you noticed they're pretty interesting and so the first one it says soon you won't see me any longer it's, this is the same one that we talked about just a minute ago Rayo, right so Rayo is when you're going and you're uh, going to be a spectator with an earnest continued inspection uh, to view attentively to enjoy the presence of one that is thoreo but this this next C where it says, but then after a little while, you will see me in a new way. Okay, so that's a whole different everything. And you know what? It's a whole different C than we've seen before. <laughs> so let me spell this one for you because I do not know how to say it. <laughs> it's O P T A N O M I A I. AI. Mm-hmm. AI. I yeah. actually wrote down how to pronounce it. Upton. Ah, a Ah, hi Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's phonetically, right there. Uh huh. That's why I wrote it down because I'm like ah. But it means to look at, to behold, to allow oneself to be seen, to appear. So, do you remember in John 14, there was this word, inf- uh, infinito? Yes. It's a lot like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To come out of hiding, to appear. And so he's saying, but after a little while, I will come out uh, and appear to you. I will allow myself to be seen so you can look at and behold me in a new way. So, what is he talking about? What is the new way? He's
2: transfigured
1: well okay he would be transfigured uh he would be uh resurrected um you know but what about for us today how can we still see him through the spirit through holy spirit because he's in the spirit realm uh now he's in the heavenly realm um uh, and that's just it he is telling us over and over we'll get We'll get to this even more uh, later. Uh, Let me give you two other words for see, because we've talked about them a few times. Horao. You remember Horao? That's H-O-R-A-O. And it means to see with the eyes or to see with the mind, to become acquainted with by experience, to perceive and to experience. That's Horao. And then the other is ido, And an ido is to see, to perceive by any of the senses, to visit, to know. And ido is E-I-D-O. So those are all words that mean to see.
2: Just to know. Which one? EIDO. Uh, to
1: know. What, what was it to know? What else?
2: Um, to perceive by any of the senses, Mm -hmm. and it can mean also to visit. I like that one. I need to. It's interesting that they're using different different means of to to see. see. Uh Uh-huh. That's why... It's almost like using...
3: it's like saying, well, this is a big glass of water. This is a huge glass of water. This is a... you And they use a glass of water. it's a different
1: word every time, but they translate water. it as a glass every time.
3: Right. Yeah. It's But at it, the side, it's... It's, it's Yeah,
2: right.
1: it's experiential. And you know what I've gotten to where I'll look up every time now what is the word for no... You know, because yes. it could be Gnosko, it could mm-hmm. be Ido, it could be several things. Um, another one that I'll look up is C, because mm-hmm. what kind of sin are we talking about? Because mm-hmm. it matters. It makes a difference.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Well, it's just like Tereo. Yeah.
1: Toreo means everything, doesn't yeah. it? And the kind of love. Yeah. Well, yeah, what kind awesome of love? There. Yes. And we're going to get more into that in this lesson. Um. Uh, yeah there's a whole lot here yeah alright somebody read 17 and 18 some of, the, got right here. <laughs> some of the disciples asked each other what does he mean soon you won't see me and a little while
0: after that and you'll see me in a new way what does he mean because I'm going to my father So they kept on repeating, what's the meaning of a little while? We have no clue what he's talking about.
1: You know what? How many times have we asked God, so God, what is a little while to you? (laughs) (laughs) Or soon? (laughs) How soon is soon? That's what they (laughs) keep saying on the church. It's true, though. (laughs) Yeah. His soon and our soon could be very different soon. The disciples will ask each other questions, and they just go, soon. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So somebody read nineteen through twenty-one.
2: Jesus knew what they were thinking. It was obvious that they were anxious to ask him what he had meant. So they spoke up and said, "Let me make it quite clear. You will weep and will be overcome with with grief over what happens to me." the unbelieving world will be happy while you while you will be filled with sorrow. But I know this, but know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. Just like a woman giving birth experiences intense
1: labor pains in delivering her baby, yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets what she has been through went through because of the overwhelming
2: joy of knowing knowing that a new baby has been born into the world. Okay, somebody read
4: 22. So will you also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you, you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy, with no one being able to take it from you.
1: Okay, and that last word for C in verse 22. Is uh, up uh, Tanomahi. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost He's easier ready? to spell it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was hard to say. Up Tanomahi. Hey, that was I'm easier. Here. Okay, um, I just got to get it. You yeah. It. You know, you just gotta go on faster. going you know Yeah. Okay, so he was fulfilling something here. Um. So look at Isaiah 66, starting in verse uh, seven. Did you say? He's Jesus is he's referencing a prophecy that uh, you know with the woman giving birth and uh, you know not. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Isaiah.
2: Isaiah
1: what? Oh, Isaiah 66, last chapter. Isaiah is known as the mini Bible. Yeah, 66 Mm. chapters for the 66 books of scripture. Yeah, 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 lots of correlations. There's something to that.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Okay,
1: who's the she? Talking about the nation of Israel. Israel. Goes back to Revelation 12. There's the lady who's giving birth to a son. Who's the son? Jesus right so she's giving birth to a son yeah. oh or 7 Thank you. sorry 66 7. It now and then it's got reference uh in the passion to uh 7 and 14 but if you read through because i'm a stickler for reading through i like context right <laughs> this is a peak to peak prophecy and what do i mean by peak to peak So it's the first coming and the second coming, and then there's like a valley in the middle that you're not seeing. You're only seeing mountaintop to mountaintop. But there's a whole lot that happens in the valley in between, right? Well, that's what's going on. So let me read this, and I'll explain as I go. Does that sound good? Okay. So look in verse 8. Who has ever seen anything as strange as this? Who ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains began, her children will be born. Okay, stop. So Israel, when it became a nation again, was born in one day. And here's the day that it was born. It was November 29th, 1947. No. It was the UN vote that made it a nation. It became a nation officially in May of 1948. But the vote occurred uh-huh in november november twenty ninth nineteen forty seven at the u n and if you want to know the u n vote there were thirty three votes in favor, thirteen were against ten were absentations and one being absent and do you know who was the first one to vote uh for them to become a nation no. russia
2: yeah.
1: Russia was the first we were the second. Mm Hmm. I thought that was interesting too. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, but they had they had
3: fled to Russia. Mm -hmm.
1: There was a huge Jewish population.
3: The the Uh Kremlin or whatever was the heart toward God. Uh
1: So yeah, in Russian is the fourth uh, most used language in Israel today, even. Uh first being Hebrew, second, Arabic, third, English, fourth, Russian, because of so many Russian immigrants that have come to uh Israel to make Aliyah. Yeah. So let me let me keep going, verse nine. Is it making sense so far? So what time frame are we looking at? Now. Uh-huh. We're to the end times all of a sudden, right? So big valley. <laughs> yeah. So look at verse nine. Would I ever bring this nation to the point of birth? And then not deliver it, asks the Lord. No, I would never keep this nation from being born, says your God. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you who love her and all who mourn for her. Drink deeply of her glory, even as an infant drinks at its mother's comforting breast. This is what the Lord says. I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. The wealth of its na- of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breast, carried on her arms and held on her lap. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. When you see these things, your heart will rejoice. You will flourish like the grass. Everyone will see the Lord's hand of blessing on his servants and his anger against his enemies. Okay, this is second coming millennial kingdom. So you've got the birth of the sun first coming and then you've got second coming and going into the millennial kingdom and it's peak to peak, all in one view.
2: You see that? Does that make sense, guys? no well, hold that
1: again. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Peak to peak. Look at it. Do you mean me draw it on the board? Yeah. Okay. Visual. Yes. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> so, I don't know if that marker works or not. I've got my marker.
3: So in verse 7, you're oh, saying that's when it became a nation. What now? In one day. The verse 7? No.
1: No. Verse 8. Verse 8,
3: verse eight, I mean? eight
1: is verse when it eight. became a nation. Verse 7 is when Jesus was born. That. Uh,
3: okay. So verse 8 is when it became the nation in 1947. Yes
1: okay so look at and it like this
3: verse 9 through 13 is going to be the second coming
1: hmm
2: okay
3: and then
1: 8 is telling you uh, when Israel is going to become a nation again so time frames so you've got a peak, first coming then a valley here
2: Israel becomes a nation In a day, and then you got a little climb still, and then uh, Jesus comes again, and then it stays. Willing your kingdom oh
3: that's not what i got in my head okay see this
1: is what scripture is doing it's looking linear this way you're not seeing this time in between you're not seeing the gap because if you're on top you're just seeing mountain top mountain top and on
3: They thought when he came that he was it was the
1: millennium. They thought yes. They thought
3: this. They didn't have. They didn't understand. They had to get the first part to be able to get the second part.
1: That's why Jesus was having to warn them, and he's saying, "Oh no, I have to tell you, you're going to be excommunicated, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be killed, all of that." Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's better. Yeah.
3: I was trying to put the Israel part down here, the line Mm-mm. in the valley up here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's on the way back. Gotcha. Actually, I could even put it, bring it up a little more.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but by the time Jerusalem's birthdays begin, <laughs> her children will be born?
1: Because it happened to all of one day.
2: That's talking about
1: 1947. And that's 1947 when she would vote. Yeah, because. They didn't know if it was actually gonna happen or not. Uh, They had intercessors who, uh, it's actually really interesting when you look at the history of how Israel became a nation again. It's fascinating and the miraculous things that God did. um, There are lots and lots of things that you could read on that or even YouTube. Yeah.
2: And this river of peace?
1: Mm -hmm. um, That would be the millennial kingdom. And where it talks about uh and the nations uh, you know will flow to her. Uh, the wealth of the nations will flow to her. Why
2: is it talking about breasts and stuff
1: like that? It, it's because um it, your children would be nursed at their breasts. So much of the time when they were uh persecuted, then uh, you know, their children were killed, um or the mothers were killed. I mean, it, it was it was just a lot of there, there wasn't safety and security for them to just be able to yes. have their children with them yeah. and be at oh, peace. First.
2: Well, first. Yeah. This is what the Lord says. I'll give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity.
3: The says, I will extend to her prosperity like a river. I will extend to her prosperity I to her prosperity like a river. Oh. Sorry, I had to read it right. I wasn't reading it. Right well, it's okay. mm-hmm. But he's saying prosperity, not peace, so well. You do that. that one says peace and prosperity.
1: Well, the thing is, is the word could be translated either way. What's the word? Uh, shalom.
2: Mm. <laughs> of course.
1: Shalom, shalom. Yeah, shalom, shalom, it could be peace, it could be prosperity, uh, it could be wholeness, it could be uh, health. It could be a lot of different things.
2: The second coming.
1: Yes, he will bring Shalom. It'll be a kingdom of Shalom. Okay,
3: so now I just got it. I will give Jerusalem a river of peace. So that's when he comes and he takes over. Yes. And says I'm done with you. He well,
1: it, that, that's when um, it will that's only be believers. Realize. Yes, that's when the whole nation of Israel will cry out to him, uh, you know, blessed is he who he comes in the name in the of the Lord. Exactly. And he Barak, will come immediately. Adonai. I think I said it right.
2: Yeah, you go. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Barak, Hashem, adonai.
1: Yeah. That's
3: how
2: you say it. Yeah.
1: Don't tell me to read it because I keep cheating. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> All right. Somebody read uh, John 16:23 and
2: 24. I his eternal proof.
1: When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for, for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire. And he will give it to you because of your relationship with me until you until now you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking, him, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and the joy will have no limit. Okay, so check this out. Look in verse 23, he says, um, For here is the eternal truth, the reality when that time comes. And so he's saying, you won't need to ask me for anything. Because all up until then, they've been his disciples. They've been following him. So they've been asking him things, right? And so he's saying, you won't need to do that anymore. But instead, you'll go directly to the Father. Okay, so at that time, then look a little bit further. Look down in verse 24, and he says, until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing, right? But then look down, but now you can ask and keep on asking him. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. So he's telling you when that time comes has now, it's now because he knew what he was about to do. He was about to open the way, right? Mm -hmm. And then what it says here is, and uh, you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for. The word there for receive is, lumbano. And lumbano is lambano. And lambano is L A M B A N O. Lambano means to seize and grab a hold of it and take it to yourself and not let go. And do you know when we ask the Lord for things and He answers? that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to seize it take hold of it not let it go how many times have we heard from god on some promise that we have been asking for asking and asking and he gives us the answer and we kind of are like oh and we treat it like something we get every day and we don't think about it anymore and we don't lumbano it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then we end up we could lose it mm-hmm. it could be where um we, when we don't appreciate the things that God gives us mm-hmm. then it uh, it causes us either to not continue to receive or to lose even the very things that we've prayed for And one of the things that I had to learn myself is when God gives us an answer, he gives us a rhema word. It's our responsibility to keep faith alive in it, to appreciate it, to keep it before us, to remember it. It's very easy to kind of get lazy in our Christian walk and just be like, yeah, okay, thank you, Lord, and walk on, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not what he wants. He wants us to to lumbano it, to seize it, to take it to ourselves and never let it go. All right, look at, uh, versus twenty-five. Well, just twenty-five. We'll do that first.
4: I have spoken to you using figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech. But I will teach you about the Father with your eyes veil.
1: Okay, so figurative language. It's talking about Jesus was fulfilling prophecy when he was teaching in uh, parables. If you look at Matthew 13, 34, and 35, it says, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them, that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundations of the world. When Jesus was speaking, it was imperative that he keep the secret of what he was about to do. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember we talked about how Mary, she was this teenage girl God had entrusted Jesus to. And she she never told anybody. Never even to the point where she could be stoned by Joseph. She still didn't tell him. God told Joseph in a dream. She didn't tell Elizabeth. God told Elizabeth. She never told anybody. And so the thing about it is, do you remember? Go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And why this is so important. Mm-hmm. She would have messed up God's plan. And God had to have someone he could entrust. So she had to stay silent. Um, Verse 2, at least chapter 2, start in verse 6 and go to 10.
2: However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom
0: that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continue to speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is a secret plan destined before the ages destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understand it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord, of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, Things never discovered or heard of before, Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through
1: the
2: Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things.
1: Okay, so it was this mystery that had to remain a mystery because... Had the ruling powers, who was Satan, right? He was the ruler of this dark world. Uh, Had he known what would have happened, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory, right? He had to be crucified so we could come to him. And so it was the pinnacle uh, thing that everything hinged upon. It was the secret of the ages. And so Jesus could not speak that plainly even though I mean how many times has he told his disciples I'm going to die (laughs) you know in not long I won't be here anymore I mean he's being very clear but it's not until the end of this chapter they're like oh you're finally speaking clear (laughs) he's like ah right (laughs) oh but you know, how many times does God, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is Holy Spirit, He doesn't all, He doesn't speak in mysteries really to us anymore. He does sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not often. Usually now, I mean, I praise God, He's pretty clear. It's like, okay, turn this way, <laughs> go here, you know. We just
2: need it. <laughs> yeah. We need it. Literally slept his things?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, And but you know the thing about that is he does that with friends. Do you remember last chapter in John 15? It was talking about um, how uh, we are his friends. He calls mm-hmm. us friends and not servants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. The Lord told me to bring my notebook. And I was like, okay. And so I, I think I know now why. Well, when you just said, you remember John 15 and you grabbed a whole separate notebook? Yeah. Just get a whole notebook for you. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> oh, that would be scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be some good stuff in there. Well, I got a lot of stuff in here, but uh, this is my all around. This is just my Wednesday night notebook. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I have another one that's just, um, just okay. Hebrew lessons but um. so check this out now there are several of them <laughs> ok so check this out and the Lord said to them talking to Miriam and Aaron and uh, Moses now listen to what I say if these prophets among you Uh, If I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions, I would speak to them in dreams, but not so with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Yeah. In uh, the New King James in verse 8, it says he sees the form of the Lord because mm-hmm. they speak face to face. So it's not with riddles. Um, and, and I was just going through it. I was looking at different places where this happened in Exodus 33, 8 through 11. Verse 7 says this was a common practice for Moses. Uh, So Exodus 33, it says, Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting.
2: Dwelling in the glory. Yes.
1: But it's speaking of relationship, right? You know, and then here's another. Deuteronomy 34.10 Oh, that this could be said of us this is the epitaph for Moses okay it says then there uh, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face right man and then uh, here's another one that I was right now this is the last one for this <laughs> but um, in Exodus 24 uh, 7 through 11 it says then he took the book of the covenant and he read it aloud to the people again they all responded we will do everything the lord has commanded we will obey then Moses took the blood from the basins and spattered it, splattered it over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord made with you in giving you these instructions. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. There they saw. And so I looked up the word for saw, and it's ra'ah. In Hebrew, and it means to see, to look at, to inspect, to perceive, to gaze at, to be exhibited to the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli. I don't know if I said that right. As clear as the sky itself, and though these nobles, uh, and though these nobles of Israel gazed. Different word. This word is chaza. It's to see, to perceive, to see as a seer in the ecstatic state, uh, to see or perceive by experience, to gaze upon. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. That was the New Living Translation uh Exodus
2: twenty-four seven through eleven. So two more words for Saul.
1: That was in Hebrew though. Uh where the others that we've been talking about are in Greek. Um uh, I did that yesterday. But okay, so we're talking about how Jesus he spoke in veiled language, right? In figurative language, because the plan couldn't be released it couldn't be taken out where everybody knew it um because it wouldn't have happened and that would have messed up the plan of god right our whole salvation would have been flushed down the drain yeah and that couldn't happen um so that time for this where uh, we can receive and and let's go back to 23 and 24 because he's actually he's telling us things plainly so look at it again for here is eternal truth when that time comes you won't need to ask me for anything but instead you'll go directly to the father and ask him for anything you desire and he will give it to you because of your relationship with me until now you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking him and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits because you're asking and asking and receiving and receiving. Right? And he's telling you the time is now because of what he's doing. Yes, he opened the veil where, the, where uh, the presence of God was unleashed from the tiny Holy of Holies place out to the world, to each of us. Beautiful. It is a beautiful picture, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, but the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech, but I will teach you about the Father with your eyes unveiled we where we can see fully that time is now because we have holy spirit that opens that realm to us so we can see him Um, that is what um, look at 26 verse 26 and i will not uh, not need to ask the father on your behalf for you'll ask him directly because of your new relationship with me So because we're in covenant with Jesus, then we can go to Jesus, and we can go to the Father through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That is what Ephesians 2, 18 and 19 are saying. And that's what Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 is saying. So who wants to read Ephesians 2, 18 and 19? Mm Mm-hmm. Ephesians two
3: eighteen and 19. 18 and 19. And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God.
1: Amen. So it's telling it, telling us it's open to you now to come before him. Okay, to to get another version of that, look at Hebrews 10, 19 through
2: 22. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the he- heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation for he has de- dedicated a new a new life-giving way for us to approach god for just as the veil was torn to jesus body was torn open to give us free and fresh access mm-hmm. amen what verse was that
1: that was uh hebrews 10:19 through 22. Mm-hmm. So those are telling us that it is open to you now. Come boldly before the throne of grace, right? Uh, come to him now. I was going to underline it, but I'm
2: sorry i underline
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Oh, before well, yeah. yeah, it's okay, my favorite. I
2: have to reference back to Ephesians.
1: Do you? I'm like, all right. Yeah, we it's good stuff. All right so let's go back to john uh 16 so it's saying you know you'll be able to go to the father directly because of your relationship with me because we have jesus we have holy spirit who opens all that up for us right because you know what ephesians 1 3 it talks about how we have um received all the spiritual uh blessings all the blessings of uh it's totally like left my brain uh some, you know what? Let's read. We'll just go there. Ephesians one three. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, keep your finger in John 16. Because <laughs> we're about to go back there. Every spiritual blessing. Yes. Every spiritual blessing. And Thank you. Every realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord Jesus. All the saints he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Amen. So what is it? When does that happen? Yeah. What does it say? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already Amen. been lavished upon you, mm-hmm. right? Or upon us as a love gift. And why? Because he sees us wrapped into Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's how the Father sees us. And so, uh, and then in Ephesians 2, 6, what it says is that we have been seated together with him in the heavenly places. Right, how do we do that through Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's all kinds of things are opened up to us because of our relationship with Jesus. We're talking about a covenant, right? So you know that's more than we can even imagine. Mm-hmm. We cannot imagine all of this. Mm-hmm. This is something that sure is. They were like- yeah well, you know what this is? This is a lifetime history with God, and then when we die and we already know him, we just pick up where we left off and we keep going, and then it's an eternity history with God that changes for each person all the time it It is something that is far beyond our even ability to reckon right we cannot imagine this but it is so good it is um here's an example in um Ephesians 3 it talks about um all the multifaceted aspects of our god in revelation it talks about how the 24 elders they will fall down before him and then they'll see a new aspect of him and they'll fall down again because you would think that they would see so many they would be done but no every time he has so many like the like the faces on a diamond as you turn it you know and then you're mesmerized because it is shining in new ways exactly. he is like that he has so many facets it's like we can't even see them all you know and, and so we become awed by him at every turn mm-hmm. and, and that's what it's like so it's beyond what we can even think anything about but it's available now it's not just until we die or after we die it is now it is a relationship that starts now and then when we die it just keeps going yes it is a pick up as you go where you are and move on <laughs>
4: So,
2: if
1: people like yeah, to go like, to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? We'll just get it from them. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Oh, yeah. we understand it then. No, you know what? I am of the opinion. I don't think when we get there, we're going to know everything. I really don't. I think it's going to be just discovery at every turn. It'll be like, oh, wow. Huh? I said, I'll be in the candy
2: shop. (laughs) Shabbat, (laughs) Shabbat.
3: Ta-da! Ta-da! That'll be great. (laughs) a top, a top. I'll know that. I'll
1: know that. (laughs) Ta-da. Hey, you know what? It's good. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> all right so go back to john 16 look at uh, verse look, look at verses 27 and 28 i'm gonna go back to 26 okay i'm gonna read this one because i'm going to stop a few times so look at 26 again and i will not need to ask the father on your behalf for you'll ask him directly because of your new relationship with me for the father tenderly Loves you. Do you know what this word is for loves? <laughs> no. Yes. It is not agape. It's, it's phileo. It's, a it's phileo. So he's saying, because all the other times it's agape, right? So, or agapeo, where he's saying, I sacrificially love you. But here he's saying, for the father, because, okay, because you're going before the father because of new relationship with me. And so for the father tenderly has affection for you he's fond of you he's a friend to you yes because of relationship do you see it's huge so for the father tenderly loves you because you love me because you phileo me because you have great affection for me, he has great affection for you, yeah. and believe that I've come from is how this is translated from God. But the word is para, yeah, huh? So I've come with God. I've come alongside God. Um, you could use para for a lot of things. Remember we talked about parakletos, where it means to walk alongside. It's the same word. So it could be translated that way. Now look at verse 28 because here you got it again. (laughs) So it says, I came to you sent from the Father's presence and I entered into the created world and now I will leave this world and return to the Father's side. Okay, look. So I underline, I came to you. Do you know scent was added in the Passion Translation? It's actually not there. So I came to you from, okay, it's para again. I came to you alongside the Father's presence. Now, do you know, if you look at John 3, 13, In John 3.13, what Jesus is saying is, um, I have come to you, and I am in heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And the word is is a present participle, meaning he is right then at the same time that he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3. So he's in more than one place at a time. Because his spirit, uh, not just because he's God, because <laughs> he is, but I'm saying he had limited himself as a human. That's Philippians 2. And so uh, he is showing us that his spirit could be on earth and in heaven in the presence of God at the same time. His spirit was not limited And so he is showing us an example of what's true of us too. So I came to you from alongside from the Father's presence and I entered into the created world. The word used there is cosmos. And now I will leave this world, cosmos, and return to the Father's side. Now he's talking about physically here isn't he Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah all right so somebody read 29 and 30.
3: the disciples said at last you're speaking to us clearly and not using mental speech (laughs) and metaphors now we understand that you know everything there is to know and we don't need to question you further and everything you've taught us convinces us that you have you have come
1: directly from god (laughs) look at jesus's response jesus replied no finally believe in me (laughs) yeah right before he's about to die now right and the time has come when you will be scattered and each one of you will go on your own way leaving me alone but I underline this next sentence twice Mm -hmm. yet I am not alone for the father is always with me amen amen and can we say the same? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, I know. I love that sentence right there. I love that. Now, this is in fulfillment where he's saying, um, you know, you're all gonna be scattered. He is talking about Zechariah thirteen, seven. This is another one of those uh really interesting scriptures. So somebody read Zechariah
2: thirteen seven.
1: Why does passion not use red letters?
2: I don't know. It's what it's am Zachariah. I
1: reading? Zechariah thirteen seven. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, the man who is my partner. It says the Lord of Heaven's armies, strike down the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn against the lambs. Okay. Now, let let's break that down for just a second. In your translation, that's New Living, it said um, against the my shepherd, against the man who is my partner, right? And I'm looking at the New King James, and it says uh, who is my companion, right? Um, And so who is the shepherd that it's talking about? It's Jesus. And who are the sheep that's going to be scattered? The disciples. That's what he's just talking about. Um, And then right before he turns his hand against the little ones, and who are the little ones? No. That would be the nation of Israel. Well, then it, and this is just a side note, because I can't help it because we're here, okay. <laughs> so look at the next two verses. because remember how a minute uh, uh, like when we first started this, we were talking about the Jewish persecution, how people thought they were um, giving something to God, but they were actually coming against his people. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. We're coming back to that. We so little ones uh-huh the little ones and then yours is lambs uh-huh and that's the nation of Israel that's who he's talking about Um, so look at verses 8 and 9 Uh, if you could read that that would be great
2: Uh,
1: in Zechariah 13
3: two-thirds of the people in the land will be cut off and die says the Lord but one-third will be left in the land I will bring that group through the fire and make them sure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, These are my people, and they will say, The Lord is our God.
1: All right, let me explain that. Do you know how we are looking at this on the board? Yes. The peak to peak? Same deal. This is the exact same uh, timing, even uh, for the most part. I mean, it, it's all the same. So look at it like this. The shepherd is going to be struck down, the man who is my companion, my partner. And then the, uh, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. That's the cross. That's the first coming. And then the disciples scattered, right? Mm-hmm. And so then look down right after that, and it shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left. When the Holocaust happened, two-thirds of the Jewish population were killed. Mm. One-third was left. Mm. So it was fulfilled with the Holocaust. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah, when God is saying something, he's not playing. He is, I mean, he is literal, very, very literal. So the Holocaust was this. And then look at what it says. And I will bring the one-third through the fire. will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. And I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. That's when they cry out to him as a nation at the second coming. You see, it's a peak to peak prophecy. A lot of them are when you understand them. Um, because in God's view, He is seeing all of time together. And so He just gives it that way. Does that make sense? Okay. So. I just go mind my mind. Let me just Yeah, you. oh, there's so much more I'll to that. that. Yeah. It <laughs> so was 66. D- oh, before. Yes. And what we were just looking at was uh, Zechariah 13. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember what the numbers
2: were. So I'm writing it down. Okay. 66 two, 7.
1: we looked at 7 through 14 alright we have one verse left in, in John 16 so who wants to read the that place. huh all over the place. I know isn't that great I love yeah. when we go all over the place <laughs> i a wonder you better take it Alan
4: I know it I've got a find oh it. got <laughs> out. it's John a big one that ain't that big that's a good one, <laughs> <a good> one. <laughs> alright Thank you
2: all
4: for holding <laughs> on. Let me change my actual child. <laughs> so, so
2: advanced, man. everything. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: 33. Verse uh, 33.
4: Oh, man, that is big. <laughs> And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world.
1: world there, again, is cosmos. Mm. Yeah. So the realm that the enemy had had. Uh, the physical realm, Uh, that would be like the title deed to planet Earth in Revelation 5. I've conquered it, right? And so we can take refuge in that. Does that mean that all of everything will be uh, without trouble? No. But it does mean that he will be with us through it all, right? I like the passion. Uh, They had a commentary. It said, Jesus has taken the power this world has to defeat us and has conquered it for us. Peace is resting in victory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he has the victory.
4: I think they wrote a song about (laughs) that. I think you're
2: right.
1: so next time we will start um, and we will do John 17 Um, John 17 is really cool because it is um, it is an actual the actual prayer that Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross Um, and it shows us how he prayed uh it shows us what what he was praying for in particular and he is speaking profoundly have you noticed that The, the the closer he gets to fulfilling his destiny is why was he born to die yeah to to win victory to restore what was lost in eden that's why he came uh and so the the closer he gets to that then the plainer uh he he speaks he
2: sure
1: he yeah and especially after he's crucified and comes to them again he really starts speaking plainly because he can at that point because it's already been done it's a reality it's not a secret, That's, it's not a secret anymore yeah it's fulfilled yes. yes and so at that point um he can speak plainly at that point they're revealing they're
2: going back to revelation of everything he said it
1: yes now. yes well it, one of the things that's interesting um, after the resurrection one of the things okay if you'll remember it will get to this when we get to John 20 we will get to this uh, and John 20 is uh, the resurrection and and then he he gives them Holy Spirit and he gives them Holy Spirit on the same day that he's resurrected. Um, and then when he does that, he, from that point, starts teaching them scripture about himself so they will understand it. You know, it talks about that in several places. We will get to that. We're not far from that. Have you noticed? We actually, because you know, uh, we have 17, that would be the prayer, and then we'll do 18 is uh, when... He uh, is going through the arrest and, and all of the things before he's crucified. 19, he's crucified. 20, he's resurrected. Uh, and then after that, it's talking about after the resurrection. And then that's the end of John. And you're like, wow. I love the book of John, though. Mm-hmm. It is really good.
2: I remember one time I was reading and it it, it just caught me. You know how something just catches you in my mouth. But it was talking about when he was on the cross and he released the Holy Spirit. Wow. The Holy Spirit was released on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, wow. I never caught that before. So like you just said, at that moment.
1: Well, no, it's at the resurrection. when he breathed, uh, after, It's the day of the resurrection. He breathes on them. Yeah. And he so tells he, them, receive. The
2: Holy Spirit is then released from him. Yeah. Into the earth. Yeah. This mm. is one of those aha moments for me. I love aha
0: moments. Thank you for listening to the Las Casas Community Church podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Las Casas Community Church. Be sure to like, share, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer those for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.